You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You know, Sunday was a day of upsets in the NFL. I'm not sure this was one. The Saints beat the Bears in overtime to tie the Bucks for top of the NFC South. That could change tonight when Tampa Bay plays against the Giants at MetLife Stadium. On Monday Night Football, are the Bucks the best team in the NFC? Jason Pierre-Paul says, I'm going to destroy the Giants. We've got all that and my interview with Brian Greasy, one of the new stars of Monday Night Football, who will call tonight's game between the Bucks and the Giants on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, have you checked out our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers and 4th Street in St. Pete? They've been there for a long time. Well, now... They have a brand new store in Hyde Park. That's right, beautiful place down there. The grand opening was uh, back in uh, October. If you haven't been there, the address is 1607 West Swan Avenue in Hyde Park Village in Tampa. Now, they've got the Grand Seiko. It's described as the pure essentials of watchmaking, elevated to a level of art. This is not your grandfather's Seiko. It's Grand Seiko. It's the ultimate in timekeeping, the ultimate in style, and the ultimate in collectability. Now, if you say that uh, Rick Stroud sent you, they'll give you one extra year warranty on your purchase. That's Old Northeast Jewelers, of course, in St. Pete, and also now in their brand new store in Hyde Park. All right, Steve, it was weird being home on Sunday. I'm leaving today for the Monday night football game in the Meadowlands, and uh, hopefully everything goes well and I make it in plenty of time. Of course, the game kickoff's not till like 825 or so, something like that. Um, but I did have an opportunity to, to watch NFL football, which is, you know, when you cover it all the time, you really don't see many games. Sometimes a Sunday night game if you have a 1 o'clock, um, occasionally a Monday night game. But really, I don't get a chance to uh, just sit there and, and watch the league. And, of course, the greatest invention – I've got all these TVs now, but the greatest invention, I still say, is the NFL red zone. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, the job that Scott Hansen does, who I've known when he used to be here in Tampa covering the Bucks for – forget which station he worked for, um, but does an unbelievable job. I mean, this guy is on from you know, 1, 1 p.m. kickoff and, uh, until you know the end of the 4 o'clock games, and he's just, he's just nonstop. But the thing you realize is, and, and I've, you know, this is cliche in the league a little bit, but boy, does it hammer at home when you watch games. Most games in the NFL are not won. They are lost. They are lost by teams that beat themselves. And it's incredible the amount of turnovers you see. You know, it, it's just about every every two minutes or so, somebody is giving the ball back to somebody. And, of course, that's how you lose. But a um, lot of upsets. Las Vegas did very well in this Sunday in the NFL for sure. Um, the Packers lost to the Vikings. I didn't see that coming. Um, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook had, I think, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just First in a long and, time that somebody's had four touchdowns at Lambeau, the opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, I mean, if you're gonna play the if you're gonna play the Packers at Lambeau, this is the time to do it. They have no fans there, so the mystique of Lambeau, you know, and the and the noise and the crowd and the leaps and all that stuff, that's all sort of out the window. But uh, man, Dalvin Cook and I, I've never really quite understood why the Vikings were so bad this year. I mean, they had only won one game, um, but they certainly looked good against the Packers. And and the other thing I'll say is that the Packers defense, woof, it's just you know. 
I mean, remember the Bucks did score, including the defensive touchdown and the return to the two yard line. But they scored thirty eight straight points, and that was not a fluke. That is not that is not a very good defense. They can't tackle. They don't cover all that well. But Dalvin Cook had himself a day. Uh, that was really interesting scene. And then, of course, uh, in Miami, another team that I've been kind of eyeballing a little bit is the uh, Los Angeles Rams. They were kind of on a roll and, you know, uh, coming off a, a pretty good win themselves. Tua uh, Tongavaloa was starting for the Miami Dolphins. His first play, uh, as a starter at least, he had a couple uh, plays the other day, but his first play as a starter, sack fumble. <laughs> uh, lost the ball and then quickly thereafter, um, you know, the Rams were, were in the end zone. But uh, the Dolphins came back and beat the Rams soundly. They had, uh, you know, I think a, a defensive touchdown. I think they had maybe a kick return for a touchdown. Tua was okay. Mm-hmm. He did throw a touchdown pass. Um, I thought he was all right. But, you know, it, it was uh, really the special teams. And it was it was a team rallying around him, which is lo- what you love to see. If you're the Miami Dolphins, you have a young quarterback making his first start. You can't put it all on his shoulders, so they went out there and they they dominated other phases of the game, and uh, they won the game. That's a that's a big loss for the Rams. Well, I still can't figure out the Rams, and we talked about this last week. Can't either. I mean, they've won five games, but they've won all four against the NFC East, and they beat the Bears. Yeah. So right. I mean, they haven't beat anybody yet. No. I mean, their losses are the Dolphins, uh, the Bills, who are good, and the Niners. Yeah. So I, I don't know yeah, if we know they, anything they, about the Rams yet, to be honest. I don't either. Um, I thought they—I I was kind of—I thought they were kind of balanced when I watched them play Chicago, but Chicago's terrible on offense, so it's kind of hard to get a good picture about that. And I've always thought that the Rams' offensive line was pretty bad. I mean, when the Bucks played them a year ago, of course, uh, it was really bad. Um, they put fifty-five on them, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. But um, but yeah, I kind of—I kind of fell out. I mean, yeah, yes, they had to travel across the country and go to Miami. It was a thousand degrees, and you know, there's. Lots of excuses you can make, but uh, really Jared Goff played terrible. He had a couple of interceptions. I think he lost a fumble. Um, like I said, that when you get a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown, you're going to win most games. You really only need one of those. The other disappointing team, how about the uh, Tennessee Titans losing to uh, Tiger King, Joe Burrow, you know, the Tiger King down there in uh, Cincinnati, uh, who played well, the very Bengal well. The Bengal Tigers winning about as much as uh, Ed Orgeron is at LSU this year. Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not going well down there in the bayou. <laughs> Hope you're polishing that ring, buddy, because you're not going to get one this year. Yeah, he's got a whole new team down there, and they're not playing well at all. They got hammered over the weekend. Um, the Broncos over the Chargers. Tell you what, Drew Locke has a little bit of swag, man. <laughs> he came back. He came back on the chart. Poor Chargers. This is like the fifth or sixth game, I think, they had a 17-point lead and, and uh, managed to blow it. Um, they say that's so. the hardest lead in football. Yeah, right. That's seven. <laughs> Boy, it's like the two goal lead in hockey, the 17 lead point lead in football. You just can't hang on to it. And then uh, John Gruden's out there, man. They beat the Browns in, in uh, Cleveland. Can you figure out Baker Mayfield and the Browns for me? It seems like if anyone is, is a little bit good that they play, they lose. Like I, well, I mean, I, can't that, I think they're like the Rams. I think they're mm-hmm. a good team, but they're not they're not the upper echelon. I mean, last week they had to come from behind with the final 11 seconds to beat the Bengals, who weren't very good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and everyone was cheering how great Baker Mayfield was in that game, and he played well, but it was the Bengals. I mean, right. you know, I, I think they're, they're like the Rams. I think they're a good team. They beat the teams they're supposed to, and they lose to the, the better teams in the league. Right. And then the game that met a lot to the Buccaneers, as it turns out, 
is the New Orleans Saints went into Chicago. They had to go into overtime um, to beat the Bears, who are just one of the worst offenses I think I've ever seen. I mean, they I, I st- I'm still trying to figure out how the hell um, the Bucks went up there and lost to them. Of course, they had a I think it was a 13 point lead, and um, you know they wound up losing 20 to 19. They actually had the lead with under three minutes to go and couldn't get a first down. But um, you know Nick Foles, I mean, who you know. Did a good job off the bench in in the fourth quarter. End up benching Mitch Trubisky. How they don't go back to Mitch? I just he's just not playing well. And you know they're not scoring many points. Uh, you know a week ago I think they scored ten, and the defense had had seven of those. So it's a struggle every game. They managed to tie this game up on Cairo Santos's fifty uh, yard field goal and send it into overtime, but. It's it just they're just not playing well, and the New Orleans Saints they needed a win, they got the win, and this might be a big game. You know, as you as you go through the standings, of course, to win the NFC South, the Bucks have to finish with one win better than the New Orleans Saints, and then if they tie the first breaker tiebreakers head to head, which they play the Saints in a week, and so they could split that series, and then you go, well, what's next? Well, next it's um, you know usually conference um, conference record, and then common opponents. Well. If you look at common opponents, the Saints beat Chicago. The Bucks lost to them. So you don't want to get into those tiebreak scenarios. If you're the Bucks, you want to win at least one more game, um, you know, than 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 the Saints. But I I'm not impressed with the Saints. I just I I don't know what it is. Like their defense makes plays. Their offense is very limited. It's mostly Alvin Kamara, occasional throw to a tight end. Of course, they, they haven't had Michael Thomas, and so that's a big deal, obviously. They get him back. Um, but this is not one of the better, in my opinion anyway, it doesn't seem to be one of the better Saints teams like we've seen over the last couple of years. They can still get after you a little bit. But I, I couldn't figure out how much was just bad football by the Bears, which I think most of it, especially on offense, um, and how much was you know the Saints um, doing what they needed to do. But they went in there and they get a win in Chicago, which was something – that the Bucks weren't unable to do. So you got to take your hats off to them for that. And now they are tied with Tampa Bay. Of course, the Bucks after tonight will have a game in hand. Um, they have not had their bye week. And so the Bucks have a chance to go to six and two against the Giants. And, uh, you know, right now, as we do this podcast, uh, both teams are, are five and two, which brings me to what is the best, who is the best team in the NFC? I mean, if you look at the records, um, some teams are coming coming back to the Bucks a little bit with the two losses, but I I don't you know I I think that uh, there's a big argument and they have made it on television. If you watch Get Up or any of the NFL shows uh, with their analysts like Dan Ar- Orlovsky, and I wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, there's almost a consensus that right now before they play this game in the Meadowlands that the Bucks are the best team in the NFC. I mean. You know, they, they certainly, uh, the last two weeks, they've won by 25-plus points. Their defense is playing really, really well. If you throw out, and you can't do this, but if you throw out the Thursday night game when they were hurt and it was a short week and they had 11 penalties and did everything they could, um, they played great football, and Tom Brady's playing great football, 15 touchdowns, one interception in the last five games. So, you know, uh, it, it's hard It's hard now to argue um, that they're not right there, especially with the Packers losing. Uh, you know, Seattle has one loss, but I don't think their defense is is quite what the Bucks' defense is. They really rely a lot 
I, on, I think Seattle's offense is better still. Yeah. Is as yeah. good as Tom Brady is. Yeah. And has yeah, been yeah. and as good as the Bucks offense has been. I think Seattle's offense is better. Mm-hmm. But their defense is not. I mean, I think the other team you got to start talking about is Arizona, who's got a really good defense. Good point. Good um, point. And and you know they beat Seattle. That's Seattle's mm-hmm. only loss at this point. Um, right. I think the Packers. I think their defense struggles. For sure. Um, we know nobody in the NFC East matters. Um, right. The Saints would be another team up there, but I just I, I I'm with you on the Saints. I just I mean they're what five and. Two, they're five at this and point. two. Their yeah. their point differential is plus won nine. Four in a row. Yeah, di- they've won four in a row. Yeah, but they're plus nine point differential. I mean, yeah, you know where the the Bucks are what plus eighty going into yeah. Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous, and and they're they're the most balanced team. I mean, if you look at you know their second in sacks, um, you know mm-hmm. they have twenty five on the season. Pittsburgh had a couple more, so they have thirty, and they got a game in hand um, after Monday Night. Maybe the Bucks. Maybe maybe tied with Pittsburgh or or something depending on on how well they do, uh, and you know they're number one against the run. I mean, you know, from a defensive standpoint, they can absolutely get after you offensively. We know that Brady is is on fire. We know he has plenty of weapons, and the offensive line is probably one of the best in football right now statistically. I think they've given up eight sacks all year, um, none in the last two games. I'm not sure he's even been touched. So that offensive line is doing a good job also creasing, you know, some teams for the running game with uh, Ronald Jones going for three 100-yard games before this past one when he split with Leonard Fournette. So there's an awful lot to like about the balance and the way the Bucks are playing with Tom Brady. And look, this is another chance on national TV. I mean, when they were on national TV at Chicago, it was a disaster. They got up early. Um, then the wheels just kind of fell off. And I think there's a lot of guys on this football team that have an opportunity and want to show, you know, the, the rest of the league that you're the only game on town on, on, you know, on TV that, um, they really are, uh, as playing as well as everybody thinks. And, you know, they are a favorite to win the NFC. So this is a big game in many ways. And, um, you know, they need to go on the road and, you know, find a way, find ways to win on the road. I think, their home record is certainly going to be going to be better, so maybe Tom Brady can keep keep this hot streak going. I mean, he's he's been in a groove. They're not going to have Chris Godwin. They're still a week away from having Antonio Brown, who, by the way, we found out, um, and I confirmed this. Jake Glazer had the report first. Antonio Brown's living with with uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> of course, he. Is. I mean, yeah, go figure. <laughs> I mean, but he, Tom I mean, had we, nothing to do with this decision. But he had nothing remember. to do with this except that hey, he can live with me. Um, I don't know how this meshes really with Giselle and the and the family. Like they must be okay with it, but I mean there are you know something like what uh, ten or twelve bedrooms and about sixteen baths in that house that, that he's living in. What if they upgraded Jeepers. the Wi-Fi for Antonio? Uh, I hope they did, but at least he's got a ride to work every day, and that's the thing. Now I hear that Antonio is in short order going to get his own place, and then I'm thinking, well, why would you? <laughs> I mean. I mean, he's probably got a chef over there. He's got you know everything he needs, but um, but we know we know at least that uh, that he'll show up because Tom will be taking him from his house and and driving him to uh, to the Bucks. So that was kind of a weird story that uh, kind of popped out on Sunday. But yeah, it's uh, I, I'm just I just don't see a lot of great great football and great teams trending the right way in the NFC outside of Seattle and Arizona, who beat Seattle, um, and it's. So this is a big game. I mean, a chance to go six and two. You know, the last time this football team was six and two, they won a Super Bowl. How about that? 
I mean, that's how long it's been. It, it just doesn't happen often, that's folks. That's right. I was thinking the year with Dirk, but it was two and six, then six and two, the back half of the year. Right. Now, he won so, five I remember there was a, I remember there was an eight-game stretch. They were six and two, but it was the back half of the year, not the first half. That's so. correct. Yeah, that's correct. They had they actually during that six and two they won five games in a row, which they'd only done two other times in franchise history. So yeah, um they're a hot team and I you know, I think they you know, in talking to Jason Pierre Paul, I asked him, I said, Are you a Super Bowl team? He goes, Well, you know, I yeah, everybody, you know, we, we are we are a Super Bowl team. I think we're a Super Bowl team, but but people don't realize when they say that is that, you know, we still gotta put in all the work. And, you know, it just doesn't happen because you say it. You've actually got to go out there and prove it. And that's what Bruce Arians was kind of alluding to is that they embrace the fact that a lot of people outside of their building thinks that they're the best team in the NFC. But it also is a little like elevator music. I mean, you can't – you're not good enough to to believe all that. You're just going to have to go out there and continue to play and, and try to string wins together. But there's no doubt they're playing better. I think that's what you look at is how are they playing. And right now, I think they're playing better than the New Orleans Saints. And, you know, but they can't look past this game. This is a this is the quintessential sort of trap game, if you will, where you know you've got that big one on Sunday Night Football. But this is national television. It's the first time since that meltdown in Chicago to sort of, uh, you know, show the, the rest of the country who you are and who Tom Brady is with Bruce Arians and with the Bucks. And so I think they, I think they want to have a better showing for sure. So we got a little treat for you. I had a chance over the uh, weekend to uh, speak with Brian Greasy. Of course, uh, everybody knows who Brian Greasy was. Went to Michigan, uh, won a Rose Bowl, won a national championship there. Uh, then was, you know, with the Denver Broncos and, and succeeded John Elway. He won a Super Bowl ring uh, with one of Elway's Super Bowls. Ended up with the Bucks. Here had two stints with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, the first one ended uh, unfortunately for him after a, a torn ACL. They were five and one uh, when that occurred. They they made the playoffs uh, and lost to the Washington Redskins. I think Chris Sims was quarterbacking then. And then he was uh, he you know he wanted to come back. He signed with the Chicago Bears after a few years. The Bucks traded to get him back. So. He's certainly familiar with Tampa Bay, familiar with Florida, having grown up, grown up here. And now, you know, for years and years, he was in college football. And he is now the uh, one of the voices of Monday Night Football with Lewis Riddick and Steve Levy, somebody he'd worked doing college football. And I'll, I'll let you listen to the interview, but, you know, basically he told me he loved the opportunity because he, he really wanted to have a chance to see the game as a quarterback. Again, the college game is about going fast and a lot of plays come from sidelines and, you know, one reading this. And now he's sort of back back into his element, but he's certainly going to be uh, familiarizing himself with the Buccaneers. They call the game, you know, tonight, and then uh, the Bucks in a few weeks will be hosting the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football, and Brian will be down here. He was fun to deal with as a player. Really insightful interview uh, about the Bucks, and especially about Tom Brady, who was a teammate of his at Michigan. Greasy was a walk on and was quarterbacking. You know, Brady was fairly highly recruited and came in um, two years behind him. And uh, it was kind of funny. He's like, you know, hey, Brian, you're only 45, and this guy's playing at 43. But uh, like most quarterbacks, uh, your body breaks down before you're really ready to get out of the game, and that happened with Brian. So uh, had fun talking to him. You'll get his insights, what he thinks about the Bucks, uh, about his career now on Monday Night Football. So here is my interview with Brian Greasy. 
Well, how about you, man? Monday Night Football. What's it like being part of that legacy, that franchise? I kind of wanted to get back into the NFL uh, game. I've uh, been in the college game for 10 years. And uh, while I really enjoyed college, you know, the, the pageantry and, and the traditions and all that, um, I, I kind of missed uh, the football uh, that I really knew because um, the, the game in college has, has changed. And, and, uh, and so I was kind of hopeful to get back in the NFL and use kind of some of my skills and experiences to analyze the game at that level. And so it was a great opportunity, and I've, I've had a blast. You know, working with Steve Levy has you know, been great for the past four years, uh, getting to know Lewis a little bit. So it's been fun, and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the rest of the season, too. we got Tampa twice in the next month or so. Yeah, that's right, yeah, and uh, good games. And, um, yeah, you, you'd become almost like a voice of college football. When I turn on college football, I, I, I hear Brian Greasy all the time. And you're right, the game has changed. So how is it different? I mean, is it uh, – from a, from an analyst standpoint, are you just able to, to get more into the quarterbacking side of things, the X's and O's? Yeah, well, you know, the college game uh, has sped up, and um, and and the the style of offense um, is really had really become predicated from the sideline a lot, and, and a lot of the RPO systems and mm-hmm. quarterback beating one one defender and just go as fast as you can and mm-hmm. limit the number of plays. Um, and and so the really you know it limited what you could analyze right um, so getting back to the NFL and quarterbacks that uh, you know play was called and they're at the line of scrimmage and really responsible for seeing what the defense is doing calling two plays in the huddle making a determination which plays don't work and then reading a play out and. Um, that was just a lot more interesting to me and more familiar with the way that I played the game. Uh, and so there was a lot more I could do from a, uh, an analysis standpoint. Absolutely. And so uh, so you got the Bucks this week. Um, I was looking up, like, you're only 45, right? And the guy quarterbacking is 43. Can you imagine playing that long? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I was kind of laughing earlier this week. And looking at it, I said, yep, uh, Tom's still two years younger than me. Two years younger than me. Uh, but it's a credit to him. You know, it's, uh, you know, typically when an NFL player at any position uh, ends up calling it quits, it's it's your body that tells you you can't do it anymore. That's right, yeah. For me, it was, you know, my arm started to deteriorate, my shoulder and my, and my uh, elbow, mm-hmm. and I couldn't throw the way I needed to, and that was it. Like, there's no coming back from that. And it's a credit to Tom and... You know, everything you can talk about on the field and what he's done, uh, none of that is possible if he did not have the really the discipline um, with his body and his nutrition and, and everything that goes into that. You know, it's easy to say, oh, he's got TB12 and the book and the method and all that, but people don't realize what a commitment and discipline that is to do what he does every single day, mm. uh, not just in season, yeah. uh, but that's his life. And, and if he doesn't do that and have that discipline, then he's not doing what he's doing right now at 43. It seems like him and, uh, I mean, Breeze is 41, obviously, but, you know, Russell Wilson has said he wants to play. I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers has already played 15 years, which is hard to believe. So I guess there will be a number of these guys try to try to do that right into their 40s. I think so. I think it's a combination that, you know, the, the nutrition and the, the care of your body's never been better. And the rules. Right. 
Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Especially yeah, the rules. Yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I don't care if you know you were lean and, and doing everything right uh, <laughs> twenty years ago. You're still getting hit in the head, yeah. hit in the back, and you're not going to play twenty years. Yeah, they've definitely protected them. So, what do you, you? You were, of course, winning national titles and and Rose Bowls uh, when Brady first got to Michigan. What do you remember about him when he was there? Yeah, so you know we um, we spent uh, I think three years together uh, in Michigan. Right. Uh, he was two years younger than me, and uh, you know I was I don't know if you remember Rick, but I was the walk on. I do remember. So yeah. I, <laughs> Uh, everybody else had scholarships, but I, I walked on, and so I had to earn everything I, I got. Yeah. Uh, and you know, my second year, they went out and signed the uh, number one overall recruit in the country named Scott Drysbach. Yep. Um, Remember? Yeah. And the second, the second year, uh, they bring in Tom, and Tom was a highly, you know, regarded guy as well. And mm-hmm. So it was always, you know, the next, um, you know, big arm guy coming in, and. Um, but I remember what was different about you know, Tom was there was a uh, there was a seriousness to him and uh, and an intentionality around what he wanted to to become and mm. uh, to get everything out of his uh, skill set and he knew his weaknesses uh, and back then you know nobody really knew the upside of his of his strengths sure so. A lot of people focused on his weaknesses, which was, you know, movement and mobility. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's why at Michigan, he never really uh, got the uh, the respect and the uh, and the opportunities. As we saw later on, he had to split time with Drew Henson. So um, I think that molded him uh, and made him uh, crystal clear and focus on on how he was going to become the best player he could be. And that was sharpening the knife with respect to the mental aspect of the game, um, his accuracy, uh, his leadership. And those were the things that really stood out to me. Yeah. What do you see now when you watch him with the Bucks? I see the same guy. Yeah, yeah I know, right? You know? Yeah. I, mean, I, see, I see the same guy. Yeah. And, uh, in fact, I, I don't think anybody could argue that um, that he's playing better than he did a year ago. A lot sure. of that has to do with, you know, the – yeah. team around him mm-hmm. um, but I mean I think you could look back three, four, five, ten years right I mean look at the way he played in 2007 when they were undefeated and he was the MVP right I mean I don't see a whole lot different to be totally honest with you and um, it's really amazing to, to see when you watch the Bucks, um, they're, off, they're starting to catch their stride a little bit but they're balanced they got some defense I mean you played on a Super Bowl team, obviously with Denver. I mean, do you do you see this team as one that could could play into January and make it? I don't think there's any question, Rick. You know, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think everybody wants to believe that. Uh, certainly in Tampa, uh, every one of those players yeah. that was on the team a year ago wants to believe that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, uh, it's one thing to you know have people tell you that. It's another thing for to expect it right. and to believe it uh, as a player on that team. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any question they're going to get to the playoffs. You know Whether they're able to um, to beat the Saints and win the division remains to be seen. Um, but they'll be in the playoffs. And then the question is, you know, how, how do you play in the playoffs? And I think more than any other reason, um, the benefits of bringing Tom 
to the team yeah. uh, is going to be that that belief, right, and expectation yeah. that when you get to the playoffs, uh, there's been nobody better in the history of the game, and uh, and he will uh, permeate uh, throughout that locker room that belief, and um, that's that's what makes what's happening in Tampa as, as exciting as anything going on in the NFL right now. Yeah, for sure. What do you think of them uh, signing Antonio Brown? Yeah, you know it's um, you can see both sides of it. Yeah. Um, I think I think what's uh, what's interesting um, is the connections. I don't think people realize the amount of connections uh, on the Bucks coaching staff. They're all teammates. Yeah. Yeah, to Antonio, and um, mm-hmm. so you know from Byron to Harold Goodwin to Antoine Randall L to Larry Foot to, yeah. to BA. Yeah. I mean, I think they all of them got together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had the conversation, and, yep. and um, now you could have those relationships and have a guy's back. Um, but the question is, is how is Antonio going to act? Right. And um, I mean, nobody knows that, so right. it's a risk. There's no question; it's a risk. Um, but I think that's that's what's unique about this situation. You know, nobody knew him in, uh, in uh, Oakland a year ago, and, and really didn't have that many touch points in New England. Um, but this is a little bit of a different situation, but it remains to be seen if it's going to have an impact on how Antonio acts. Right, right. You had a couple different stints here in Tampa, and I was looking, remember, you won a lot of games here, and then, of course, had the ACL uh, and some of the injuries and things. But what did you what did you make of your time in Tampa? Because I know you played for a number of teams. I loved playing in Tampa. You know, I, I, had a, I had a great time. Um, I really loved playing for John Gruden. Right. Um, you know, at that time, it was I was learning a new system that uh, I had grown up in the Mike Shanahan right. you know, stretch zone and, and naked game. And, um, mm-hmm. and this was a completely different offense, which I really enjoyed. In fact, I was talking with Jason Garrett on the phone yesterday, and we were you know, telling stories about the quarterback room over there at one month. Yeah. Uh, that was eight feet by eight feet. And, uh, <laughs> and in, the, in that room, we had, you know, myself, Brad Johnson, Chris Sims, Jason Garrett, and Kyle Shanahan, John Shoup. Uh, <laughs> How about that? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a good old time, man. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, that year in 2005, I think we started five and one. Yeah, uh, yeah. And had a really had a really good team, and, and yeah, blew my ACL against Miami. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, you know, um, I know we still got to the playoffs that year, but lost to Washington. And right. That was that was a, a real downer, man. I really. You're playing good, really good football. Yeah, you're playing really good football. And, and, was... uh, so I, I, I had a, I had a great time, and and I uh, really wish. Uh, could have could have continued it, um, you know. After that season, right? Um, they kind of they didn't re-sign me, and and um, they wanted me back, but Chicago, you know, offered a better deal, and, right? And I told John and Bruce Allen at the time, you know, that um, wanted to stay, see if we can continue to build off of it, and um, ultimately it didn't work out, and then they traded to get me back two years later. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So. Uh, they let they let a few guys go in the Bruce Allen days, <laughs> as you remember. Yeah. Think about that quarterback room. You just mentioned all those guys, how successful all of you have been throughout your careers. And then, uh, of course, Jason coaching and, then, you, you know, all the, all the other things. So that was a Shanahan coaching. I mean, that was quite a quite a bunch of guys. Um, yeah. Fun yeah. to be around. 
you know, Sean McVay was there a couple of years later. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so uh, it was uh, it was quite a uh, uh, quite a hotbed. So I, okay. I enjoyed my time there. I look forward to getting down there in a month or so and then coming back for the Super Bowl. That was great to catch up with Brian Greasy. My thanks to him, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy him calling that Monday Night Football game. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We've got uh, some Rays news that occurred uh, since we last spoke, and that is that the Rays have failed or decided not to pick up the options on uh, pitcher Charlie Morton and catcher Mike Zanino. So, you know, Morton is uh, is a guy that has sort of hinted at retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read the story that uh, Mark Tompkin wrote when they decided not to pick up his option. He had, I guess, a long text, text message to him. And it essentially said, look, i got to reassess everything. And not saying that I, I want to go someplace else or that I want to play or that I don't want to play there. But he obviously had a contract where the option would have paid him $15 million. They're not in it for that. Um, and I'm sure they'd love to have him back, but you know, at a, at a different price. And, and now he's a free agent. It's, it's in Charlie Morton's hands where he wants to live, where he wants to play, how much he wants to make. They also didn't pick up the option on Mike Zanino, who, you know, really good defensive catcher, but let's be honest, I mean, did not hit at all. Didn't provide even the really the home run power consistently like they were hoping. If he'd hit around 200 and, you know, popped about 20 home runs in a 162-game season, uh, they would have been more than pleased with him, but they didn't get it. And then, you know, watching Michael Perez get claimed off waivers by the Pirates, I mean, that essentially leaves them with what at the catching position? They have Steve? one catcher on their 40-man roster, Ronaldo Hernandez, who's a young guy. Uh, hasn't played above single A, I don't believe. Mm. Uh, he's one of the highest-ranked prospects in their system and expect him to play, uh, you know, assuming everything goes off in 2021, you know, double A and, and move up. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think you'll see him in 2021 at the big league level, but maybe late in the season he gets a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but Morton and Zanino was more about the salary. I think they, the Rays would like both of them back, and, and I think sure. both are willing to look at it. Morton may depend if he wants to, to play or not or if he retires. Um, you know, he likes – he lives in Sarasota, would like – you know, the Rays would, is ideal for him. So, you know, is he willing to take 7, 8 mil, 10 mil, whatever – you know, what would he be willing to play for? Mm-hmm. And, and would the Rays match that? Zanino, I think his option was for four and a half million. I think the Rays would like him back, but not at that level. Maybe it's three million, something like that. Um, you know, um, you know, who knows? But the the Rays did. Um, you know, they had to put some players on waivers, and the only one that got claimed was Mike Michael Perez, as you said, by the Pirates. So um, a few other free agencies, and they had to reinstate. Guys like uh, Jalen Beeks and Yanni Chirinos and Colin Pochet to the to their forty man roster. They had been on the sixty uh, day injured list or forty five, whatever it was this year. It was everything was changed this year, but with COVID. So uh, mm-hmm. Andrew Kittredge, Chaz Rose, both passed through waivers. They're minor league free agents now. Um, things like that. So, uh, but they will have to make some moves for their forty man roster. Is they're going to have to put some prospects on before November twentieth. 
to avoid getting them claimed in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, guys like Josh Lowe and uh, Taylor Walls, possibly two guys. So they may have some more moves coming up. But, um, you know, we know the Rays make a lot of moves, and they tend to make them late. They don't tend – you know, free agency starting now, so they don't tend to be the ones doing it right away. They kind of wait and see how everything plays out and see who's av- who's left available and who's looking for a place to play. So um, you know, that's kind of the way the Rays do business. So, Is there a possibility – do you think that, that there is a going to be a lucrative market for Charlie Morton? In other words, could somebody come and say, we love the way you pitch. If you'll pitch one more year, we'll pay you closer to $15 million or $10 million than you could ever get with the Rays? I don't know because – and it's you know I think free agency is going to be interesting, and I think you're seeing it in some of the other sports, hockey for one, which has already started free agency. What's next year look like? Right? Are there fans right. in the stands? Are, and are the there money some? they've are lost. There none? Are there? You know? And so, you know, I, I think you might see a lot of guys get one year deals, or you know, Taylor Hall for the the Sabers, you know, signed a one year deal for eight million, and it's a you know, let me get to next season when I think the, there's going to be more long term money. Because hopefully right. things have recovered some. Now, Morton's not looking for a long-term deal. So is there a team that feels they might be a piece away um, and, and it would pay him $15 million? Maybe. What else I could see happening is June or July next year and some team goes, hey, we got a couple starters down. Would you come out of retirement and play for us for half a season? Yeah, exactly. You know, if he if he decides he's not going to start the season, I mean, you know, he might get that. Where if he says I'm retiring, but he might get some calls midway through the season, going, "Hey, we lost a couple starters. Here's you know yeah. seven million for the rest of the year to play." Could that happen? Sure, know. absolutely. You know him him being close to home and all that, and he talks a lot about his family. And of course, this does not you know preclude him from somebody saying, "Here's fifteen million, and he'll go play for him." But I tend to think that he really does like playing with his team. He says he's had the most fun of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as long as it's not – look, we everybody says, well, what's your price? And you think, well, you know, you made 15. Let's say, you know, is 6 enough? Is 10 enough? Is 8 enough? And the bottom line is there is a number where it just isn't worth it to them. And none of mm-hmm. us would can think of it in those terms because we would think, well, geez, what wouldn't you do for a million dollars, much less – Mm-hmm. six or eight or 12 or three or whatever. Um, but he's played a long time and he, he pro- you know, clearly he's made tons of money and, um, you know, doesn't necessarily need to play baseball, but um, you just, you don't, you don't know, like, uh, you know. Well, some may depend where it is too. I mean, okay. If the Dodgers right. come calling and say, Hey, we need another starter. And you go, you're going to move to Los Angeles. Well, but yeah. I got a good shot to win a world series or well, sure. is it the Absolutely. Kansas city Royals calling where you're going? Ooh. Right. Absolutely. You know, no, I mean, he's, you know, yeah. and I don't think the Royals are going to offer him a one year deal at 15 mil, but no, you know, you, you might look at the situation too. Maybe, you know, maybe he wants to stay East coast or, you know, what if right. the Marlins came calling? Right. Right. You know, and you go, well, you know, my so family can come down on weekends to Sarah, you know, from Sarasota. They, you know, maybe I'm willing mm-hmm. to do that more or Atlanta call, you know, compared to Seattle, which, you know, now yeah. you're all the way across the country. So, yeah. Well, it's not a slam dunk. He's back. It's also not a slam dunk. He plays baseball. So, I mean, no. that's the I, mean first I, thing I would think if he's going to take less money to play, the Rays would be the first choice of him, it sounds like, based on the way he's mm-hmm. talked for the last two seasons here. Yeah, but you never know, and that's part of free agency. I mean, he's earned the right to pick where he wants to play, or if he wants to play at all. So, and you know, Mike Zanino the same way. They didn't pick up the option, so 
you know, he could go elsewhere or, you know, he, maybe he resigns with the Rays. And, and it depends on what the market is, too. I mean, you know, sometimes Zanino may go out there and there isn't a market for him. I mean, who knows? Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll figure out here sooner or later. Um, you know, the uh, Champa Bay, uh, we were talking about the Rowdies having an opportunity to add to that legacy. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. One of the weirdest endings to a to a sports season just occurred. Well, as we were as we're taping this right now, it should be about halftime of the championship game yeah, between right. the Rowdies and Phoenix. But uh, there were several positive COVID tests for the Rowdies, and so they've called off the game and canceled it. And there will not be wow. a championship. So the Rowdies have to settle for conference champions instead of wow. USL champions. So Phoenix the same way. They're the Western Conference champion. Man, that's crazy. Um, seems like you could wait a week or two and maybe play that thing somewhere. But uh, hmm. well, great year it, for the Rowdies. It, yeah, it, it, you'd have to wait probably at least two weeks, and then you're right. assuming more doesn't happen or yeah. spread. But they decided to cancel it altogether. So, yeah, interesting. And some news about the Lightning in the Stanley Cup. Um, I didn't know this. You, you're telling me you're mm-hmm. giving me some knowledge here that you know. I, I always remember. Uh, when a team wins the cup, they get possession of the cup for a year, mm-hmm. and very often you'll see it around town, which we have. But then, in the, but then individually, um, guys get their time with it, right? Um, and 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 that's going to occur. It hasn't occurred yet, but but a new caveat here with uh, with, with what's happened with the Stanley Cup since the Lightning won it. The Stanley Cup just returned to Tampa Bay on Sunday, and it has the names of the the players uh, who won the Stanley Cup on it. Wow. Now, what's different about it is generally when the Cup is won, the team gets it, and then the players start having their days with it, you know, wherever, Russia or Canada or my home in New York or Minnesota, wherever wherever you want to go for your day, you get your day. Sure. But with COVID, they're still working out how they're going to try to do this mm-hmm. because everything's different. I mean, you can't just be throwing parties everywhere. Right. Um, and then, you know, traveling, you know, you go to Canada and anyone who goes with the cup has to quarantine for 14 days before you can do anything. And, you know, so it, it's there's a lot of logistics of figuring all that out. So the cup was engraved already. Normally, the first time players see their names on the cup is usually the night they raise the banner and celebrate the Stanley Cup because it's done late. But it they this, because of they didn't know what to do and they haven't figured out all the protocols and how they're going to do everything, they've already engraved the names on the cup. So uh, oh, wow. Lightning tweeted out and, and put on Facebook some pictures of it. Victor Hedman was looking at it, you know, taking a picture of his names on the cup and stuff like that. So the names are on the Stanley Cup now, which is generally done much later in the offseason, right before the season begins instead of right away. Which is the greatest reward uh, and career goal of every player that plays in the National Hockey League is to get their name on that cup, and uh, it's got to be a surreal feeling for those guys. Yeah, you say oh, it's funny. You say it's forever, but I remember Phil Esposito during these playoffs saying, "I think it's eight more years, and my name's off the cup." <laughs> yeah, it's gone. They keep re- they keep moving it up, right? Because yeah, and what they do the is new ones come is, at the is, bottom. Yeah, the when when a strip or a band fills up, then they move mm-hmm. it everything up, and then the one that's taken off the cup goes in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it's not the lost. It's right. It's, it's shown in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but I think it takes like 50-some years or, 60, you know, depending on where on the band, if you're the first names on the band or last, you know, how right. many years it takes. But, yeah, I think Phil said he's got seven or eight more years till he's off the cup, so. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Well, it's, it's, a, it's like I said, it's going to be fun for those guys to spend time with it and just kind of stare at those engravings because um, that's, that's something rare indeed. 
All right. Well, uh, I'm off to the greater New York, New Jersey area, and it is a night game. It is Monday now, night football. New York just put in new protocols where you have to have a negative COVID test before you. I guess you're getting tested all the time, so you have that that test. I have no idea whether I have it or not. I don't know. What, I don't know what they're going to tell me I can do. Well, because New York just announced here? that that people traveling from anywhere else outside of like Philly, Connecticut, New Jersey has to have a negative COVID test three days before you enter New York. And how do I prove that? Can I just I don't show them my test? I don't know. That's a good question. I just thought about that as we're talking because I read that over the weekend. Perhaps I won't be at the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. I don't know anything about this. I mean, I do have good COVID tests, but my last one, I don't know if it was three days ago. It would have been Saturday. Sunday, Monday. Yeah, I guess I'd be okay. If you got Saturday tests, you're okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. But I'd have to show them my result from the uh, from the last. Yeah, most likely, we... you probably have the the app or whatever. Doesn't the NFL do that all on an app or something? Oh, they yeah, they send it to you. Yeah, I hope I didn't delete the last one. I may have. I want to check your deleted folder. You know, we've got a problem to work out, so we better call <laughs> we better call it a day here. Um, I will. We will be talking after the game tomorrow. I don't know where from, whether I will be in my in my home or um, actually at MetLife Stadium. But regardless, Steve has given me information that I could have used 24 hours ago. <laughs> um, but but and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to the podcast as always. And please, please go see our friends at Old Northeast Jewelers. If you're from St. Petersburg, you know these folks. They're in uh, 4th Street and their St. Pete location. They've been there for years. Um, it's a great store. And then now they have a new store in Hyde Park. If you're uh, walking around down there, beautiful Hyde Park Village is at 1607 West Swan Avenue. They got the Grand Seiko. Go check that out. And if you uh, go in there, make sure you tell them that uh, Rick and Steve sent you and they're going to give you one extra year warranty on your purchase. So that's certainly worth your time. All right, um, I think I'm off to New York. We'll find out uh, all together tomorrow on the podcast. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.